And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers, and welcome to episode number 13, our Baker's Dozen episode of PNR's This Old Marketing. As always, if you end up liking the show, please do consider subscribing via iTunes or the Stitcher links. These, of course, you can find in our show post on our very own, very fancy little corner of the internet, thisoldmarketing.com. And also, as always, I'm here with my good friend and colleague, Joe Polizzi, the guy who could take over any late-night talk show as the king of content marketing. Joe, are you polar vortexed out yet? I'm so sad for this winter that will never end. I, 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 <laughs> winter is coming, my friend. Oh, Winter's it's, coming. It's my Game of Thrones. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, today it was five <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, not oh, supposed to be any better. Uh, I am headed to, to D.C. Um, tomorrow, so... I don't know. Maybe it's 10 degrees there. I can't. <laughs> Who knows? Anyways, <laughs> right. uh, you know. <laughs> well, speaking of winter, how about the Olympics? Have you been watching what's going on in Sochi? You know, it's interesting. And I know we have a lot of, of uh, Russian listeners, believe it or not. Uh, so I want to be respectful. I actually was watching the opening ceremonies. And I was, is this bad? I was sort of prepared for the worst. I, I didn't, almost like it's something bad going to happen just because of all the stuff that led up to that. But, man, I'll tell you, they, they, hats right. off to them. It was hats beautiful. Off. Oh, it was. I it thought was. it was beautiful. I really did. I think, you know, the, the, the night shots that I've, you know, it's funny. I, I, everything leading up to the Olympics was these weird sort of day shots of palm trees. And, you know, they kept making a big deal about how Sochi was kind of a, a oceanfront resort town and all that kind of stuff and, and all of that. But then they started showing off the way that the you know the torch is lit and the stadium is lit and it was just I mean just spectacular. Well, the the mo- whatever the screen and the floor. I mean that yeah. was oh my god pretty outstanding. Amazing. And I have to but have to do a hats off to the Netherlands, which simply had the best outfits of all. <laughs> it, <laughs> and we had the worst outfits. I got to say, it looks like, you know, Grandma Moses <laughs> threw up, you know, patches and quilts all over our athletes. It right? was made in the USA though. So, <laughs> yeah, well, thank God. I mean, I you know, I'm not sure I want to claim that authorship. I'm almost really. So sorry. <laughs> you caught me off guard with that uh, that comment. I got to pull it back together. Anyways, my friend. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the news while we still can here. Um, opening this week, the wonderful Lego movie, the Lego movie that we have been talking about for, gosh, a couple of shows now. So um, I know you haven't had a chance to see it. I haven't had a chance to see it, but your kids saw it. Um, what is your take on the on the opening of the wonderful Lego movie from a content marketing Well, you know, kids saw it. I asked my oldest, Joshua. I said, so rate it on a, honestly on a, a scale of 1 to 10. Rate it. 10 being amazing movie. He said 11,000. So... <laughs> Well, <laughs> oh my so, gosh. yeah, well, I mean, uh, right. you know, of course it's getting great reviews and you know, my, yeah. whatever they spent 60 million on it. It did 69 million domestically in the first week. It's gonna, you know, it's getting amazing rave reviews. And I guess the reason what I wanted to ask you about, because we've been talking about this issue about in the next couple years, would a non-media company win an Oscar? And this could right. be it. This could be the best animated. Right. Well, yeah, there's no there's no category for comedy. Typically no, this the, this could be Oscar best animated yes, film. But, 
Sure, absolutely. Uh, but, but, you know, yeah, so it yeah. got me thinking, and this is what I want to get your take on. I was thinking, it's getting the reviews, of course. I'm going to go see it again. You know, I'm going to see it with the kids when, when we get a chance to do it. This time in 3D, they want to see it. They didn't see it in 3D the first time. Uh, <laughs> nice. But, you know, I'm, I was thinking about it, and we were talking about making this big deal of this. Is, you know, we're starting to see brands, and we're going to talk about Red Bull later, and, and they're really getting into you know, making this amazing content and they're really putting together these content factories. But, but then I thought about it, is this really sort of old news? Because Disney's been doing this. I mean, Di- Disney's, Disney's been doing it, and I know they started out as a media company, but they're really they're media and a product company. And then I'm trying to think of what exactly is a non-media company? Like what? A great I, I'm question. really struggling with it's, it. I guess I wanted to get your take on it because we're going to make a big deal out of the fact that this is a Lego movie. And by the way, we'll we'll link to the show notes. Really interesting article in eConsultancy about you know basically raving the movie and saying is it a content marketing triumph or a hundred minute advertisement? And right. Well, you know, and it's. It, you bring up an excellent point, which is Disney has been doing this, you know, and this is a this is goes back to our classic mantra of there's no, you know content marketing is not new and it is certainly not something that no one has done before and and Disney has been doing this. I mean, Disney started as a theme park and then they started doing you know television and then movies and then you know it, it's or the reverse television or movies then television and then they're bringing people back to the theme park. So they've had this media product sort of integration since the beginning. Yeah. So you can thank Uncle Uncle Walt for that, but you know, you can you can you can really point to a lot of a lot of companies, but I think the the difference feels like anyway, here is a traditional product company that is looking at itself more as a media provider that that then brings people back around to the product. You know, I mean, we talked what it was two two shows ago about you know, the GI Joe brand and how they've completely rebooted themselves. And you can argue that now that you know Mattel has now made Hot Wheels and GI Joe a media brand, and it's it's really interesting that maybe that's the evolution these days is how do I take product from product concept and development through to media brand? Well, the, the other thing to think about is, and I forget, is this time, this was a partnership with Time Warner, correct? Lego. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They basically, they basically said they outsourced because the I know actually I know because will. I talked yeah. to to Lars, who's the director of uh, social media for for Lego, in uh, in Denmark, and he basically said that Time Warner oversees the Lego Movie social accounts because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Right. So it, think think about it from that perspective, and yes, they I'm sure they wanted to make some money off of the movie, but really, honestly. Does Lego care if they make money off of this movie? No, they they're gonna make no, it off of all. everything else. They got the. I mean, my kids are that's right downstairs. They're playing the Lego movie right now. So they're the uh, the video yeah. game, and they're gonna go to the store and they're gonna want to buy thousands of dollars worth of Legos that I don't want to buy for them because they saw <laughs> this movie. And I mean, of course, that's this is content marketing, right? You you get a great piece of content and it compels you to purchase something or some behavior change correct but that's right yeah i mean i had three people call me this week and go i finally get what you do for a living <laughs> you know what i mean they call he said i just got out of the lego movie and my kids have now demanded to go to the lego store and as i was driving to the lego store i went oh that's what that robert rose guys does for real that's what he's talking about <laughs> it's crazy though and, and i guess i'm 
yeah. I don't want to. It's weird because we're going to talk about some more of this. It's almost like all these news articles are leaving me perplexed with what is there? Is there a non-media company? Is there a media? Co- we're all media. We're really all media companies, and it's very hard to define the line anymore to see if there's a line there. There's no line. I can't see it anymore. Yeah. And I think we're, we're seeing yeah. articles like e-consultancy where it's almost saying, where is the line? But you know what? When it's great storytelling, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? That's the point is that it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if we're us, you know, and we are all media these days. I mean, that is the, it's funny. That's the first slide in, in the, in the CMI, you know, content marketing workshop, which is we are all media. You know, we, we are all producing content at ever more velocity these days. And so it just, uh, you know, where, and, and to the point of, you know, there's a great new book, uh, Daniel Pink has a new book called, um, I'm forgetting the title off the top of my head, but it's basically, we're all salespeople too, right? We have become, um, you know, all convincing people to do things. And so we're, we're all in sales these days. And so, you know, put those two things together and you basically have. So I guess marketing. just to sum this up, uh, my bet is on. So let's put let's put the money down like we always do. I'm going to put it down. I think that yep. Lego will win the Oscar for best animated movie and we'll have to say, OK, that's happened. Then we're going to have to then yeah. at some point it's going to be in the regular category. Maybe that's what you were talking. Yeah, Frozen was pretty good. Frozen was pretty good. So I think that I think uh, Disney will give them. Oh, no, I saw yeah, Frozen, I and I love <laughs> Frozen, by the way. And I could sing that yeah. song that she was singing all day long. But le- <laughs> it sounds like Lego's gonna get the got the inside track here. You made all right. Well, I'll, you know, I'll 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 go with you. I'm I'm, I'm my money's all on right, red you with you. <laughs> all right, moving on. Our next story. The IAB chief, and I, this is a classic headline. Um, so Randall Rothenberg, who is the CEO of the IAB, and for those of you who don't know, the IAB is the Interactive Advertising Bureau, who have been around for a long, long time doing interactive advertising things. And he wrote an article this week called, The Digital Advertising Industry Must Stop Having Unprotected Sex. Well, okay, so there's your... You Here's just yeah, you just had the rant you. last week on that. I know. Here we go. I know. Yeah. I know. But he basically talks about the advertising supply chain and how he says basically. Well, the quote from the article he says, "We must create an all-inclusive program that identifies qualified participants and commits them to good actions, guaranteed by continual monitoring and sanctions for non-compliance." Basically, saying that because advertising is unlike other supply chains that are governed by federal bodies or other regulatory bodies because anybody can play in the advertising supply chain somebody needs to come in and police this thing because if we don't advertising as a practice is doomed which (laughs) i mean i gotta say seems to me a little bit like the fox walking into the industrial chicken processing plant going "Ooh, we've been replaced you know (laughs) it's like i don't really understand you know i mean it's it, it it's very self-serving, obviously, that he's now – and then he tees up, of course, that the IAB is going to be meeting next month to talk about this. But, I, you know, what I wanted to get your take on here is is that is this going to happen? And then B, is content far behind? Because, you know, we've heard about the IAB looking at, you know, guidelines and regulations about native advertising and content. So where is this – you know, where are we headed here? So here's another one. Yeah, I've I've I struggled with this. First of all, we we have good friends at the the IAB. So I don't want to. Um, I have my thoughts on this article. I'm going to give them right now. Uh, but but uh, <laughs> but I I think that what they're doing, uh, there's a place for it. 
but here's my my big complaint, and here's I guess here's a rant, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cite some stuff from uh, Kirk Shavitz, who is CEO of Story Worldwide and is also a contributor to Chief Content Officer Magazine, and so it, both of these hit me at the same time. And, and the question to me is, what is advertising? Th- that's all. Right. When I was reading this article, I'm like, what is advertising? So what are you going to police? So and so here's I'm right. gonna take this. Uh, so this. This is not yet published, but it will be published in the, in the April issue of Chief Content Officer. So my apologies to Claire McDermott, our editor, uh, but I've got to read this. And this is from Kirk's <laughs> article. And he's talking – Kirk is talking about uh, the FTC because we're talking about native advertising. The article is about native and the FTC and laying down some laws around this. But here's what Kirk says. Kirk says, the feds are sticking to the story that an ad is a paid message that interrupts or sits alongside news or entertainment content owned by a publisher or a broadcaster. In the FTC... Now, think <laughs> it. This is great. This is great. In the, yeah, in the FTC's version of reality, ads get seen solely because the publisher's editorial content or the broadcaster's show attracts an audience. And then he goes on and says, working under this 19th century assumption. It goes on and on, so I'm not going <laughs> to give it away, but it's a fantastic article, and it'll, it'll be out shortly. But that's my problem is how do you police something when we can't even put our arms around what it is? Right. Right. When does it, you know, when does it actually become an advertisement, right? When, you know, if it's, you know, if I pay for a piece of content on a publisher's site and it's a long form, you know, what we would now call a native advertising post, is that an ad that we need to have policed or is it? a piece of content that I've just paid to sponsor or Well, that's what we've been talking about native where you can't, how do you police that when you don't know? And first of all, what, what is a credible publisher is a credible publisher. One that aligns themselves with the IAB. Is it anybody? Is it? And and by the way, is advertising, does that have to be in a square box on the right? I mean, or or a banner on the top? Or, I mean, I don't, (laughs) I'm just struggling with this whole thing. So, I applaud the passion. I have no idea <laughs> where you would start and draw the line when we, we can't even see a semblance of where the line should be and how far it goes and who it affects. Yeah, and I think, you know, there is a you know, there's also a relevance issue here as well, right? Because, you know, in order to represent, you know, and I get it. I get why the IAB is interested in doing this because it it provides a relevant, you know, governing body and a well thought out strategy around how this stuff gets done. And they've got a constituency that they've got to work with and please. And it's, you know, and I get it. I understand why they're doing it, but it's, it's just a little bit to me, you know, looking at this and saying they're, I'm not sure, you know, it, basically that, you know, as my dad would say, that horse left the barn quite yeah. a while ago. So, you know, and it's, it, I, I just think it's, I just think it's, uh, it's not going to happen. I mean, it's saying we must include an all-inclusive program that identifies qualified participants. <laughs> we don't even know what that means, I, right? It's like, it sounds <laughs> big, it sounds big and expensive. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I, I was on an interview yesterday actually talking about, uh, whether or not the FTC is going to set down guidelines, and I said, and I and I said, rightfully they're staying away from it right now, because we where do you start? And I think the other thing is right. the great part about this whole thing is that every consumer is is armed with a say so in this and can you know 
call. You know, they they can, they can go and say, hey, this is bad. This is not good. Uh, we everybody's a media company. Everybody's a citizen journalist. I think that if there's something really wrong going on, I I have the belief that it's going to present itself, and it's going we're going to self correct. Yeah. But I mean, I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Well, no, I think I mean I think this is one place where the market really can help. You know, define what you know, define what works and what doesn't. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 working. So I, I'm not sure that. You know, well, anyway. we could go on and I, <laughs> I, yeah, I think yeah. we, I think I mean, we should have yeah. left it as the, the horse has left the barn. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The barn. Right. You, exactly. Well, breaking news uh, literally happens as hours before we are recording this particular episode. Um, our friends at clout now have a new, uh, a new daddy. Um, they have been purchased by the, the good people at lithium as well as changing a little bit of their business model, or at least the application, um, you were the you, you sent me this 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 first piece, which is them doing the big pivot here. Um, tell why don't you? Yeah, so I mean, bit. at this point, the lithium technologies purchase. I think that it's been from what we see right now, it's been signed. It's not a closed deal, but it, it's going to happen. Everybody's talking about it. We don't know what it's going to mean, but you know, good for the folks at Clout. And uh, it looks like the people that, you know, raised the 30 million round, Series C round is going to be very happy. So good. <laughs> They're good all going, them. And I don't, we don't have to talk about this for very long, but you know, our good friend Todd Wheatland, uh, you know, VP thought leadership at Kelly Services, sent us the note and said, hey, did you see clout? This is, what, a couple of days ago, right? Hey, did you see clout? Yeah. Look what's going on. And, uh, you know, you can actually publish and schedule content from clout. I thought the scheduling of the content was really interesting. Uh, now, I did have some conversation with Clout's community manager because we were bickering about, hey, if I publish from Clout, does that help my Clout score? And I was told right. uh, via tweet that that is not going to happen. You, if you publish, you can publish all you want from Clout. It's not going to affect your Clout score. I guess, wink, wink. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, but I think that it's just it's important for everyone to know now that if you go back to clout, it looks completely different. You can publish now. It's sort of I heard somebody say that it's sort of a buffer competitor uh, would be, you know, I don't know. OK. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, to me, I mean, and now it's all, you know, up in the air. Right. Because, you know, this was live for five and a half days before we get the news of lithium coming into the, you know, and I too think, I mean, this is a smart move by lithium, I think, um, you know, because they are, you know, they're in the business of creating social communities and surfacing the influencers within that social community is a, is a big piece of what they need to do to be able to offer the product set that they offer. So this is a, you know, this is a smart move, I think, by them and, 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 you know, and a good, and a good move by Clout as well, because I think, you know, unfairly or fairly, Clout is sort of in this weird space of trying to be the arbiter of what, you know, I mean, to our giggly, you know, point here, trying to, you know, be the arbiter of who is an influencer and who's not. So this is a, I think, given that, it'll be interesting to see, I think, you know, as I tweeted, I think it's a pivot for both companies coming here. Um, and I think uh, I think it's a really good move that'll that that will that will serve lithium well, make, and and maybe make lithium really you know uh, quite a bit more relevant than it's been over the last. Um, a yeah, so of hot off the years. presses, it was. I mean, literally. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did you see this? Let's talk about it. So, <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, but I'm really yeah. interested in your take on on the next story on on Red Bull. What about that? Well, this is, I mean, you know, as we, I mean, you know, this is, I mean, I, when we started talking about the stuff a couple of uh, a couple of episodes ago, and the way that you teed up today's show with with the Lego story. I mean, this here it is. I mean, Red Bull is now a TV network, right? So talk about every brand being a media brand. This is just, I mean, you know, and we, I mean, Red Bull, look, let's be clear. Red Bull is sort of the poster child for, you know, every time somebody talks about content marketing, it's, oh, have you seen what Red Bull is doing? But here, I mean, once again, they have sort of stepped beyond what, you know, the expectation would be. So basically the the news item here is that Red Bull has, you know, the headline is Red Bull saddles up a TV network. And basically what it is is, Red Bull has gotten a slot and completely programmed a network, a, a full television network that is now on the Apple TV. And you can get some of the content on the Red Bull YouTube channel, but some of it's going to be exclusive here. And it's, you know, it, it's basically going to be a channel on, you know, so you go to your Apple TV and, you know, with YouTube and with Netflix and Hulu and, hey, Red Bull, it's going to be Red Bull TV. It's going to be curated playlists. It's going to be Red Bull full-length programming. All of the ads are going to be, you know, uh, Red Bull uh, branding. No, no, like thirty-second commercials or anything, but just Red Bull branding. This is it. This is a this is a product company that is fully transforming into a media brand that is taking advantage of the new media distribution channels and you know becoming becoming a network. Well, is is ESPN shaking in their boots right now? You know, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, I still think there's a big value to be had in some of those brands like ESPN. You know, this is something that, you know, I was talking with someone the other day about, which is, you know, this idea of, you know, content shock and, you know, and we've spoken at length about that and, and, and the idea that the, you know, the more niche you go these days, it feels like you can aggregate an audience that's, that's valuable. And so does ESPN really shiver in their boots at this i don't think so but it will certainly you know it it certainly is another thing that fragments audiences even more so the people who are programming extreme sports on espn you know whatever it is espn the ocho or whatever (laughs) where the where the where the where the extreme sports are you know they they actually may be you know they may be shivering their boots a little bit because they you know this will be direct competitive program. Well, here's the thing to keep in mind, and so here's a here's a takeaway, and this is what I took from it. When ESPN goes and they plan to do any kind of of um, special networking programming, they need to have a plan for revenue behind it. Just just that's how you go and you create these things. How are we going to schedule in? How, what do we need behind it? How much is it going to cost? How much do we have to sell to offset it? Whatever the case is. Red Bull doesn't have to do that. They could, they could fund this right out of marketing and their petty cash drawers and not even think twice about it. Because if they're measuring off of driving more people to buy Red Bull or to become closer to that Red Bull brand in some way, they can, be, they can judge their performance on how people view their content differently than a traditional media company would. Correct? Yeah, no, that's exactly right, right? And it becomes, you know, and this gets into a, you know, a little bit of what I'm going to go off on a rant about in a little bit, but it's it's not an all or nothing proposition and that's the real beauty and 
I think, magic of content marketing is that it's not something that competes with the other things that you're doing. And so for Red Bull, it may be their primary form of marketing, right? They may decide, and I don't know that they have or haven't, but they may decide that the Red Bull Studios and the content that they're producing and the distribution channel of Apple TV is going to be great. And that's going to be their primary form of marketing. But for someone else that is not, this is not going to be their primary form of marketing, well, it can, you know, it can definitely act as the attractor, right? So I can create a much smaller version of what Red Bull has done here by just creating a, a, an amazing YouTube channel, or I can create an amazing Facebook, or I can create an amazing website or a content platform where I'm having, I now have the power to aggregate an audience that is attracted to what I care about and what my approach to solving customers' problems. And that opportunity to do that is what the power of content marketing really is. Then you take that and use it to infuse into everything else you're doing, right? Whether it's paid, whether it's PR, whether it's advertising, social, all of that stuff becomes sort of the, it, you know, it's, it's marketing, as I say, becoming the value, right? It's where marketing is now the value of the thing that the, the company is Well, producing. I think the, the one thing that I wanted to mention and what I think is brilliant, and this is what everyone out there needs to be thinking about, if they look at their pro, look at the programming. So this is from the Variety article that you're quoting. Uh, what are they doing? Uh, downhill ice skating racing. Uh, they're doing... Yeah. Um, uh, what's it? Red Bull Rampage. Oh, free ride mountain biking, biking racing. Uh, the World Snowboard Tour. This is the original concept of ESPN. This is all the stuff right. that nobody would watch that they that they, they they could put on for free because people just wanted coverage. Remember, remember when ESPN covered the yacht races? The yeah, I mean, and yeah, how big exactly. they became because of that. They're going after an underserved niche of adventurous sports. They're not going up against something that they would. They're not saying they're becoming the new ESPN. There's something different, and I think that that's where most brands get into. Oh, we want to be covering all this stuff when we need to be going a niche of a niche of a niche. And Red Bull has the corner on that right now, and that's what their content program is laid out to be. And that's what I love about this. Exactly right. You know, and they get. So much brand uplift from that and so much brand affinity. And, and yes, I would suspect that they, they, it creates a, uh, you know, a, you know, and this again gets to, to what we'll talk about here in a minute, but it's not about converting somebody like me who never has Red Bull or never will drink Red Bull. It's not about them converting me to drink Red Bull. It's not about generating more leads. It's about that kid who is really into the downhill skating and is also really into Red Bull keeping him loyal, keeping him drinking Red Bull for as long as they possibly can. And by can. the way, just as before we get off of the subject, most people don't realize that the Red Bull Media House, which is the publishing uh, yeah. In, yeah, right internal publishing group of Red Bull, uh, they have a, a section of that called Red Bull Content Pool. That's an actual profit center that they license out videos and photos that Red Bull takes and they license that out to media companies. So Red Bull is a media company in every sense of the word as well, but they don't have to be judged that way, but they are generating media type revenues. And I just think it's an amazing model. And uh, I know we talk till we're blue in the face about Red Bull, but you know, we should be looking at this model and there should be a lot of people saying we should be doing something like that. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And it doesn't have to be no, at that scale, no, right? I mean, this, uh, you know, I'm seeing I'm seeing small companies do this. I see nonprofits do this. I see, you know, sole proprietors do this. This this happens at every size of company and and it's and it's not just for the large companies that can afford to do giant media, you know, deals with Apple, you know, and and that sort of thing. This can be done at a much more well, and, modest and Drew level Davis as well. and I, we were just we just did a keynote together in Springfield, Ohio, and he got up there and said Every company out there, and I don't know if I believe ev- in this and everybody, but basically he said every company out there needs a brand where you sell your stuff and you need a content brand. And he was, and, and it's that's just, right. that's kind of where we're going. It's just, and yeah. I think we need to think about it. Well, it goes back, it goes back to, it goes back to your, the question you asked at the top of the show, which was, you know, what, what is a brand these days if it's not moving toward a media brand? I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there you've you heard it here me. first he From doesn't know he doesn't know, know. <laughs> well now we move to uh the section of the show which seems to be a big hit with uh with our audience here which is our rants and rave section of the show where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a rave um about something that's either really bugging us or that we're just uh, totally in love with and I'm going to go first today um, because I'm going to go quickly because I want to get to Joe's rant, which he uh, subsequently stole from me um, <laughs> and is a fantastic rant. And we both have a good take on this. Um, but I'm going to go first, which was um, two things together, which my rant is around how, you know, and it, and it feeds out of some of what we have discussed you know, on previous episodes, which is this whole idea of content marketing is hard, so therefore we should stop doing it. And it just – this bugs the hell out of me because you know so this was a this is spurred by a blog post on Sparksheet we'll of course put the URL in the show notes um, by a guy by the name of Mark Higginson who the headline of the article was should Coca-Cola quit its content marketing journey and basically i mean what set me off was you know from the first sentence on it started to just annoy me this 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 blog post and the first sentence of his post reads when a dominant global brand goes all in on content it's hard not to assume it's got it all figured out well no it's not it's not hard to figure i mean it's not hard it's like i don't why would you assume they have it figured out just because they i mean i it, this is this. It's 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 really just something amazing to me. He goes on to say that they didn't choose this strategy for no reason, and then the social age brands are very brittle creations in a world of increased transparency and audience empowerment. Turning brands into media companies has long been considered a way forward. Producing content regularly in sufficient quantity and at a level of quality that people read it and are inspired to share it is a resource-intensive task. Just ask the publishing industry. And then basically his point being that because they, you know, he went, he did was he went and looked at how many social shares, so an outside looking in kind of analysis, and basically concluded that the program is a failure because they're not going viral on every piece of content. And now that's hyperbole, and I'm maybe overly critical of it, but basically he's saying that Coca-Cola, is, it, this is, program is a failure because I've looked at how many Facebook shares and how many Twitter retweets and how many, basically everything I have access to tells me that this thing is a big failure. And there are, there are so many things wrong with that analysis that to begin with. But at, interestingly, in the comments of that blog, Ashley, who I, I'm assuming works for Coca-Cola, 
um, says something wonderful that I'll, you know, will just be more elegant than I will ever say. Basically says, you continue to make the fantastic conclusions but miss one simple reality. We're in a business, and if this wasn't successful, we would pull the plug. That we're expanding this program as fast as we possibly can should tell you something, right? So it's like, yeah, we're not as dumb as you think we are, right? So, and this feeds right into a, a another email that we got this week. Um, a wonderful email, actually, and it, it in itself was a rant um, from Catherine Houston, who is a wonderful copywriter, and she sent a note to both Joe and I saying basically it was a cranky, it was called a cranky note from a copywriter, and basically talking about how this idea of you know journalists and brand journalists and you know and the idea that content has become this thing that is not advertising, right? So it, it is basically everything but advertising, and. I love the rant because as as someone who appreciates all kinds of content, whether it's paid for, earned, and or owned, this the storytelling aspects in all kinds of marketing content, I appreciated that so much. And it just to me it it the 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 sort of summation of my rant here is that when we look at the holistic sort of collection of all of the content a business is creating, we also need to look at why they're creating the content in the first place and not make general assumptions about the success or failure of that based on one particular metric mm-hmm. that we think would be important, right? And instead, look at that, you know, one of the one of the things that I go off on all the time is this idea that content marketing for a business and this is especially true in a B2B business. Content marketing may actually be more expensive and it may produce less leads than a direct marketing campaign or direct marketing effort might. But then when you look at that all the way through, if we look at that and analyze it all the way through, maybe that content marketing approach produces a better customer, a more loyal customer, a customer who spends twice as much, and so on and so forth. So let's, let's, let's take a holistic look at the business and why we're creating all of this different content instead of just sort of saying, well, because it didn't get shared 200,000 times, it's a failure. So anyway, end of rant. I love your rants. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, one, the one thing that I would say, uh, and I don't want to take any more of time on this one, but the one thing I would say is um, you're looking at it and you're just getting out of the dugout and you're already saying Coca-Cola should quit their journey, and they just started. I mean, like, right. What? Like that's this is the type of mentality that kills content marketing because we want results now and and what you said is so true we have to measure it all the way through the customer journey, and you're saying ah oh, Coca Cola they're not getting a couple good social shares in the last six months oh that's a stinker, done let's go right. back and, and buy anything, big ads again the, 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 I mean that's right and the and if anything the rant that you're about to go on now is going to just i mean it, you know the idea of social shares being any kind of metric about success these days has to be sort of so this put is into interesting question. right and and i have to preface this with it's almost unbelievable uh and yeah. this is and i was just perusing as i get most of my news from social media i'm perusing google plus and scott Monty. i follow scott Monty, uh, uh lead social media at ford motor company and scott posts this and basically says i hope this is not true but if it is i'm really worried type of a of a comment and yeah, uh, yeah. let me see what the this is a company called uh what is it veritasium veritasium they basically did a facebook uh, te- uh test and they test where likes 
series, series of, tests of tests about where yeah. likes are coming from and buying likes and whatever. And basically, long story short, buys buys likes from a click farm and goes and we can you know buy likes from a click farm. You can buy likes, and they said countries like uh, India and and Egypt and and company and other countries out uh, in uh, in Asia area that. You can buy likes from you get and for whatever a cent a piece and however they do it. And if you want to buy likes, you can buy likes, and none of those people will ever do anything. But you can buy likes, and then right. And you're not supposed to Facebook. Facebook says that's against exactly. our terms of service. And then said, yeah. okay, well, let me go and buy advertising from Facebook legitimately. Yeah. And long story short, it looks like a lot of the same people that are liking that you're paying for from Facebook and a lot of the activity looks ultra similar to what you would buy from a click farm. And, uh, yep. you, and we can't do it justice, right? You have to watch. It's a nine minute video and you have to watch it. Well, basically, yeah. Basically the conclusion is, is that they, you know, so two conclusions. One is, is that because the, the number of clicks, the number of likes that you're getting from Facebook advertising, are all coming from these other countries, Pakistan and Egypt and, and, uh, you know, and, and India and all of these places where you would normally think that they wouldn't be coming for a U.S.-based company, for example, that you go, okay, that's now flooding my likes. But interestingly enough, as I start to post, you can't stop that, by the way. You can't, you can't say, I, I don't want these people to not like me. And as they start to sort of diffuse or dilute your likes, as you start posting up content, of course, they're going to be the ones that get the initial. So you have to then pay to promote it to your other people. So Facebook's kind of double dipping here in terms of making you pay for the dilution that you're getting from Facebook advertising. And then they said, okay, well, why is it that they're actually diluting? And they think it's because all of these click farms are actually clicking on ads to obfuscate the fact that they're actually also working for click farms. So uh, there's no way to fix it for Facebook, really, if, if, if this is true. I guess long story short, so I would just say go watch the video. The, yeah, go watch the, it. It's fascinating. The other fascinating. thing is I would be real careful about buying likes uh, and, and, yep. ad, and, and, and ads, ads, quite and, frankly. Especially ads, and, and that's what we talked about. You know, Why are you on Facebook? is a really good question to ask before you get into any of this activity. And that's why we always believe that, you know, the the value of an email subscriber, you have to weigh at a much higher level than the value of a like or a Twitter follower or those types of things uh, because you don't know who those people are for the most part, especially on Facebook. So I, you know, it just blew me away. I couldn't believe it. I, I never yeah. sit through a nine-minute video of anything on YouTube. And I got to the first minute and they had me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to sit through this whole thing. So... Yeah, it's a pretty amazing video. I mean, it, there's going to be fallout from this for sure. Yeah, it just came out. I mean, this is very, very recent. Yeah. So we'll put it. Well, it's, and it's got 600,000 views or something at the moment. Here I mean, it's go. crazy. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, on to our sponsors. So if you didn't tune in last week, um, we can just quickly inform you that what we've done with our sponsors is as we negotiate a couple of deals, hot deals, as they as they like to say, of some sponsors that are going to be coming on to this old marketing in the coming weeks, um, we wanted to open it up and actually offer up some sponsorships to people out there, you, our wonderful audience. And 
so we said basically tweet out you know your cool content marketing thing um use the hashtag this old marketing and we actually had a few this week um some wonderful wonderful projects that people are up to and we wanted to highlight um a couple here one of which we'll talk about and then two and the other one we'll we'll actually put in the show notes um one from this guy bruce mcduffie who you can get to on his twitter account at bruce mcduffie and that's d-u-f-f-e-e mcduffie um, and he actually posted this slideshare he did called the Manufacturer's Growth Manifesto. And again, we'll link to the slideshare in the, in the show notes here. Just a wonderful content marketing piece on how manufacturers should be thinking about, you know, CEOs, COOs, CMOs of manufacturers should be thinking about marketing their manufacturing business. And it's just a wonderful, you know, 37 or 40 slide slideshare on how marketing for manufacturing has really changed and what CEOs need to be thinking about in terms of being part of the conversation, creating content, and it's really a primer of content marketing for the manufacturing industry. Just a, I just thought it was a, it was a really wonderful, wonderful piece. And the other one we'll highlight here is, uh, uh, and I'm going to butcher his last name, unfortunately, Tom Mulyart. Uh, M U Y L L A E R T. Uh, you can get him on Twitter at at T Mulyart. Um, and he did another a piece on the travel industry, which we'll, of course, include in the show notes as well. So two sponsors there, and just congrats to both of them for creating some wonderful content. And, then, and we'll, we'll keep doing as long as we can. So uh, submit your example yeah. to this old marketing hashtag, and uh, we'll check it out. But thanks to Bruce and Tom. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, time for the show for Q&A. We got a couple of different questions here. I think we're going to have time for one of them uh, for our show today. Really interesting question uh, that came in uh, from, uh, well, it came in from Google. Um, and, I, you know, <laughs> it was an interesting, I mean, I know we, we Is this talked the one a little bit about this you're going to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah, you got to well, read some of it. And then so, we'll... so the yeah, the, the the question that came in basically says, you know, I've got a question to be debated on the program. The the the, the questioner asks, and I'm not going to name the questioner. Um, and basically, they said we use translations as part of our content marketing program. It's an alternative for small businesses since it's much cheaper to translate an article than to write one. So for some of our clients, it's the only option they can afford. What do you guys think about this? What about the copyright? Should I be asking permission for the authors that each article that I'm taking and translating and then using for my small Twins business customers? Yeah, you could. <laughs> we do post all the credits. Yeah, we do post all the credits and referrals on each translated article. Since we do not translate articles from the same source and author repeatedly, I'm thinking that in the end we make them a act, uh, uh, give them a favor, basically acting like pollinators of their content. What are your thoughts on about this as well? Well, uh, yeah, yeah you're stealing. You are stealing. Is what you're, <laughs> it's so you know, bad. Yeah. I can't. I had yeah. to read it twice because I didn't think that that's what this person actually was talking about. You are stealing somebody else's um, uh, owned content, and you can't do that. Uh, you can't, even if you give them a, a link at the bottom, if you take all of their content, it is stealing, <laughs> and you shouldn't do that. It's a it's a no no. I would say. It's probably the best way to yeah. put it. So yeah. don't do that. Yeah, it's like, don't you know. do that. No more doing that, you. You, you. know, it's like stealing somebody's car and then putting their name on the bumper sticker on the back of the car. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I gave him credit. You're you going to have to go sit on the step. <laughs> You are uh, so. Yeah. Anyways, there, there you go. We, we don't, don't, yeah. don't. Any for everybody out go. there, There's, please don't do that. 
anymore. Yeah, that's you have to true. ask for permission anytime true. you yeah. use any articles anywhere for repurposing. You have to get their permission to use it first. And people will give it to you. People will give you the permission. I would love to get people calling me up and saying, "Hey, we'd like to translate your blog post into Japanese or Chinese or other you know other languages and and use them." And sure, go ahead. That's that's great. You know, but don't just do it. <laughs> and now you'll get flooded with requests this week, Robert. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, well, hey, yeah, there you go, there you go. Maybe, maybe I'll make a sponsor for next show. Um, <laughs> um, all right, so this old marketing, our uh, one of our, our the, the namesake of our show here, and I know you want to talk a little bit about what. Oh, P&G you know, I love this example. Uh, for those of you that don't know it, this is homemadesimple.com. It's a Procter and Gamble product. I, I have I don't know exactly when it started, but I've been told it's it started around two thousand three. So they've been producing content for homemadesimple.com uh for over a decade now. And from what I don't know how many subscribers they have. Basically, for those of you that don't know the site, it's a site for you know women on the go. You have a family. You don't have a lot of time to uh, cook at home, but you still want to cook healthy meals for the family and those types of things. Um, so there's a lot of recipes, a lot of organizational tips, and it's a great, great community. And what I love about this is they have well over 10 million subscribers to this site. Robert, which is, is amazing, and and I it's always amazing. say that yeah, when I when I talk about this in presentations, I say they have ten million people raising their hands saying, "Please send me more marketing, PNG," because yeah. it's content that's yeah. so good, and that's I love that lesson. There's two lessons to take from Homemade Simple from PNG. One is, I mean, there's a, actually a couple. One is they focus on a niche. Um, that's remember again, we've got multiple yeah. content marketing strategies, not just one for the organization. Cause it depends on who we're talking to and what their needs are. So for this woman, you know, woman buyer persona that they're targeting, uh, then they have this homemade simple, uh, site. And the second thing is it's consistency. This is over a decade of publishing. Yeah. Fantastic. Third, they focus on subscription subscribe. It's so much easier to show return and proper metrics that people are doing something if you have an email address that you can tie into some kind of behavior patterns. So I just, you know, we'll put it in the show notes, of course, but I love that example. They also do a great site called beinggirl.com as well that I don't honestly spend a lot of time on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they do a, a many, many of these sites, and it's just a good formula to look at, which each, each product category they have, they have a content brand for it. It's fantastic. Just fantastic. All right. Well, where are you? Where? What's coming up? What is what is on the Joe Polizzi uh, agenda? I am keynoting the DMO uh, Destination Managers Conference in um, in DC. To, uh, is that tomorrow? No, not tomorrow. Thursday. So I'll be flying to to DC, and uh, before I'm off again, traveling to a bunch of different places. And and now it's really going to start. So we're going to have trouble scheduling our podcast over the next uh, six weeks because you and I are flying all over the place. Where are you going? Uh, fantastic. Well, you know, the, here's the thing. I mean, I, I just like you, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually going to be home for the next week or so as I get ready for, I'm keynoting content tech, which I am glad to put in a quick plug for, for CMI's content tech, which is going to be a virtual conference. Um, and, uh, I'm one of the lucky speakers kicking that conference off here, uh, in a couple of weeks. 
Um, and then beyond that, yeah, I've got a couple of client visits out in uh, in Chicago to do, and then you know I start my uh, start my yearly sojourn. I'm very glad I've not been traveling in the winter time here, but starting in March, it's going to be it's going to be uh, a big a big travel. Yeah, season so for we've me. got yeah we've got Content Marketing World Sydney coming up uh, in in March. Yeah. We've got uh, Executive Forum for 75 executives coming up in May, and. And then we've got the big show, Content Marketing World, coming up in September. So uh, we'll have lots of times to hopefully we'll be meeting in warmer weather than we're seeing here in Cleveland. But it's got to thaw out. No it's got to thaw out by September. <laughs> I'm betting. It's so, going. Anyway. <laughs> it's going to. Oh, it's going to. Oh, it's going to. Well, that is it. For Joe Polizzi, this is Robert Rose and signing off. And remember, if you'd like your question answered or you want a sponsorship on the show while they're still available, tag us on Twitter at hashtag thisoldmarketing or send an email. The old email, it's an antiquated technology there, thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. This was episode number 13, the Baker's Dozen episode. And if you liked it, we hope you'll consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All those links, plus the show notes, all of that available on our little corner of the internet universe, thisoldmarketing.com. And for all of us here, and me and Joe, remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing. This Old Marketing.